Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in 1 Corinthians 15. There was this practice throughout Corinth in which somebody may have died and then they would baptize them. Right? They would baptize them in surrogacy. So like say that you've got somebody who has never worshipped God in the ancient city of Corinth. They were pretty pretty devout followers of Dionysus and you're in this you're in this grief-stricken spot. It's like, oh, okay, I know that my friend never made a proclamation of faith in Christ. I mean, I can't know what went through his heart and soul and mind at the very last minute of his life and his dying breath. I don't know that, but I never saw him tweet about Jesus. I know that much. And so, look, could you come here and pretend to be him and we'll baptize you and we'll pretend like you're him. And then maybe in surrogacy, it's like we're baptizing him. Or maybe we'll see him in heaven one day. Paul is addressing that practice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. Otherwise, what will they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day. As surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. This practice of baptizing people for the dead made it look like Paul's whole life-risking ministry was for naught. Like, what's the point of this? If that's all it takes to save somebody after they're dead, then let's just eat, drink, and be merry. He quotes the motto of the Epicureans. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Okay, if, if, if that's all it takes to be saved is for after I kick the bucket, you baptize somebody and pretend like he's me and then I'm saved, then well, like, what's the point in repenting? What's the point in going on mission? What's the point in the Great Commission? Like, what's the point in me risking my neck every day? Like verse 30, I, why am I in danger every hour? I face death every day. Like, what, there's an urgency to my mission. It's because I want you to hear the gospel and repent before you die. Otherwise, if you could be saved after death, what's the point of all this? What's the point of this mission? Verse 32, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. What, was, what good was that? If all it takes to save somebody is just to baptize somebody else in surrogacy. What's the point of all this? What good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink uh, for tomorrow we die. He's quoting the Epicurean motto. It also You also quoted in Isaiah 22 verse 13. I met a dude with this tattoo. <laughs> Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And he had this tattooed on his arm. I met him in Florida and uh, he knew that I was out on mission. I was a youth pastor. I'm with my students at this camp and he's got this tattoo and I asked him about it. I'm like, hey man, that's, uh, that's, that's First Corinthians. It's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, that's my motto. And, you know, he was obviously, obviously publicly inebriated and he's like it's my motto it's why I drink and he, he thought that he was quoting a bible verse that rationalized a lifestyle that was devoted to hedonism and partying not realizing like yes Paul quoted the motto of the Epicureans but he quoted it to their shame <laughs> see verse 34 come to your senses and stop sinning for some people are ignorant about God I say this to your shame it's got to be the most ironic tattoo ever <laughs> and a lesson in context wouldn't it be cool if that guy got saved and repented and became an expository preacher and kept his tattoo? 
come to your senses, stop sinning. He, Paul was, was trying to dispel this notion that after someone's dead, you could baptize somebody else in their name. Otherwise, what's the point in repenting from sin today? You could just keep on sinning like the Epicureans do, eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And he's speaking harshly to them again. He hasn't spoken this harshly since some previous chapters when it came to their, uh, their misuse of, of communion. And, and some of their uh, and, and some of their their abdication of church discipline, not calling somebody out for an illicit sexual relationship. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Like they had taken this idea from pagan faith systems, they had taken on some pagan practices. They were being corrupted in their moral in their morality by picking and choosing practicing syncretism, like, ooh, that's kind of a cool practice, baptizing somebody for a dead person. Let's add that to Christianity. Paul's like, come to your senses, stop sinning. Some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. In our context, we may not have quite the same practice, but I will tell you a brief story in which this teaching does still subsist today. When my son Aiden was in the hospital, uh, we had these little bracelets that were like bright orange and bright yellow, and they looked like flames and said, pray for baby Aiden. And uh, it was beautiful. And they were everywhere. Uh, the lacrosse team at um, I think it was Okoli High School had like a little logo on their helmets for Aiden. And uh, people began to spread these bracelets all around like Birmingham and, and Pensacola and Nashville. And, and they, they, they were shipped out farther than that. I remember how far they went, but then Aiden passed away. And we still had a few bracelets left. We had distributed thousands of them, but we still had a few left. And I knew that in our area, in Orlando, we had a lot of people who had come from the Catholic Church. And as much as I would love to have given them one of these bracelets, it was out of, it was out of consideration for their Catholic background that I did not want them to pray for Aiden anymore. Because Aiden, I believe, see my dissertation, it's out there, it's in heaven. And, and for that reason, doesn't need my prayer anymore. It's glorified perfected forevermore, that it, I need not pray for him after death. That I, I'm the one who needs prayer now, because I've still got more life to live. And so we have still some of these rubber bracelets that say pray for baby Aiden, and they're in storage. And it was out of respect for my wishes that I didn't want to cause any of my Catholic students, formerly Catholic students, to, to stumble, that we didn't distribute those bracelets. There are variations on this same teaching that still subsist today. And they have the same harmful effect that they had in ancient Corinth. The idea that if somebody dies and you can do something to get them out of hell, or think medieval Catholic church, like pay money to the church to get them out of purgatory. Uh, purgatory does not exist in scripture. It was purely a fundraising tool. That uh, you wouldn't ever feel the need to repent. Like if, if I could be saved through surrogacy after I'm dead, then why should I repent from sin? Why shouldn't I just party all the days of my life, eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die? And then I'll count on you, my drinking buddies, to just save me after I'm dead. Come to your senses, Paul says to the church at Corinth. So if this is convicting for you, if you've allowed sin to crop up in your life and you're not on mission, but you're eating and drinking and being merry, thinking like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. This, this is the most futile sense of life. If you've fallen into some pagan teachings that say that you could be saved post-death, no, come to your senses. That is perfectly designed by the enemy to remove from you your urgency to repent, your urgency to evangelize, and to render your gospel toothless because it's a gospel that contains no repentance from sin. 
And if there's no repentance from sin, there's no salvation, friend. So Paul was addressing a pagan practice that had made its way into the church. Some of these same kind of teachings may make their way into our church today. Let us not be ignorant about the ways of God. Be urgent unto our cause for the gospel.